Hey there, welcome to the Anim Dojo podcast. My name is Tom Box, co-founder of Anim Dojo, and I'm in the good company of the Anim Dojo crew. We have... Uh, Bader Badrudin, I'm co-founder of Anim Dojo and animation supervisor at Access Animation. Uh, I'm Kate Gascoy, I'm the community manager at Anim Dojo and the recruitment coordinator at Blue Zoo. And I'm Grace Hebzich, I'm marketing coordinator for Anim Dojo and Blue Zoo. Excellent. So hopefully you know what Anim Dojo is. If not, our mission is to give everyone a helping step up the career ladder in the animation and VFX industries, uh, regardless of your age, location, wealth, or time availability. And we do that on our website, which we call kind of an animation gym, where we've got loads of workouts, live streams, challenges, and feedback sessions, all about getting the job you want to get. And when you do that, you can hit the ground running. And this podcast is part of that. We've got interviews, discussions with animation professionals to give actionable advice to help conquer your career in animation. And in this episode, we continue our interviews that we recorded in, at Move Summit back in, in Edinburgh, back in February, which seems a very long time ago now. And we spoke to legendary animators like James Baxter and Andrew Chesworth. Uh, so check those previous podcasts out with, uh, with the conversation with them as they had some absolutely uh, diamond nuggets of um, of tips of how to get that job you want to get. So on to this episode. Uh, at the MOVE Summit, Grace um, attended a masterclass with the very experienced animation director and animation series director, Ruth Ducker. Uh, and that session was sponsored and organised by Screen Skills. And in it, she gave invaluable advice on how to climb the career ladder to become uh, an animation series director. Uh, which is what a lot of animators aspire to become. So we thought you'd like to hear what she had to say. So, uh, Grace, you you went to that session. How was it? Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, from a personal point of view, it was just really cool to hear um, uh, a woman talking about um, with such confidence and, uh, and spark about being a director. And... Um, she she was really really inspiring i found um so she has got over 19 years experience in the animation industry and she's directed titles for disney junior disney asia cbb's and universal kids um and she has worked in a multitude of roles um which she will talk about more in the interview excellent cool well shall we hear the first question then i'm here with ruth ducker and i'm going to ask her a couple of questions so um can you tell me a bit about all of the different roles that you've done? Because you've done such a huge variety over the years. Okay, so I have worked over the years as a layout artist, a previs artist, an animator, a background artist, a, a camera artist, a, a mocap cleanup artist, uh, what else? Animation director, and eventually, finally, a series director. Oh, and production manager. I have actually done a little bit of that at the very start of my career. I started as a runner, then production manager. Quickly to realise this was not, not a skill that I wanted to pursue. Do you have any advice for anybody who um, might be in a role that isn't the best role for them? What would you suggest to them um, for looking for something new, something different? What direction did you take when it didn't feel right? Um, well... There is there is a dilemma of working versus not working, and while you can have a focus of what you really want to achieve, you can't. It isn't doesn't necessarily follow that you would be able to find that career or get a job in it. So I think 
sometimes I've made choices to do jobs that have not been my first choice, but ultimately they have. I've enjoyed them and I've learned something and I have gained something from them. However, there have been times, and I use the production management as an example, when I have not enjoyed what I'm doing and I've realised that while I can do it, it's not something I really want to do. Uh, in those situations, I have actually just had to learn to be bold and ask to move and ask to change. Uh, and so I think the lesson from that is if you don't like something and you prefer something else and you want to do it, do ask ask if you can have an opportunity if you get told no that's fine, don't take it personally just ask another person but she's, she's done a lot of jobs <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, from, what was it, from a layout artist, previs, to production manager, to series director that's, that's quite a, a, a resume um, was, I, I, from that I guess uh, I, the, kind of the obvious question to me that springs to mind is how do people approach that if, like in a job interview, for example, Katie, if they feel like that's a job to, to get your foot in the door, which is, you know, uh, uh, you know, a perfectly advisable thing to do. How do you approach that in an interview if it's not your kind of the dream job you want, but you're doing it to kind of get into industry? What's the best way of tackling that? You know, so you're not trying to hide anything, but you're being honest. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I have experience with that, you know, yeah. uh, I come from a, an animation background and I, and I interviewed for a recruitment position um, in a HR role. Um, and I think uh, a big part of why that's been really, that was a successful interview and also why it's really helped me, like Ruth said, you can still learn something from those experiences, is um, I used it as more of a, an asset for the role rather than something to hide and was also kind of completely honest about you know interviewers ask you what's your five-year plan like where do you want to be in five years ten years and just kind of being honest with them um, because I think as long as you can show that you are you can be fully committed to this job that you're interviewing for especially when it has a contract length mm that's how long the studio are also committing to you. So you can return that in kind, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that like I'm committed to doing this for the next 15 years of my life. That yeah. isn't a requirement of the interview. So I think just kind of like being honest and if you can make it into an asset for me, it was with recruitment. I was asked, you know, do you want to be in recruitment or do you want to be an animator? And you know, which path do you want to go down? And I said, well, I don't really see it as a kind of, two directions to me one inf will inform the other so yeah. i think that animation my knowledge in animation is really helpful for recruitment and yeah. you know i think that my knowledge of recruitment will give me a great awareness of the studio if i did decide to move to an artist role in the future so yeah as much as you can try and make it an asset it's not something to hide it's all knowledge yeah. i guess there's a balance though isn't there between uh, wanting to do it or enjoying doing it and doing it I guess it's very tricky doing a job that might not be your ideal job, but at the same time being professional about it and, and doing everything you can to, to get yeah. the most out of that job for the, your employer and for yourself. Yeah, well, definitely. I think, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I think another thing that helps is if you're um, unsure about something or you have two different options of what you want to do, I say do both. So try to do one of them, see how you feel about it. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, that's not for me. And then trying the, the other thing. So a good example of that is my sister who has always wanted to become an artist. She was 
more of the client side, if you were calling it, like she, she was always the client side of things. And she's always worked then with studios or artists, freelancers, and she's always wanted to become the artist herself. And she took a gap to try that. Um, and she realized very quickly that she doesn't mind doing it as a hobby, but doesn't want to do it for her career. And yeah. it, it informed her to want to then, but she still wants to do something creative. So she's now moving more into something where it's more live action based. And it's the same for me. I initially, and not many people know this, I initially wanted to be a modeler, not an animator, because I thought the, the, the skill of being uh, a character designer or someone who likes to draw would naturally translate to becoming a modeler. But I found the tools to be so different from what I found to be natural that I did not really enjoy modeling at all. And I found naturally enjoying animation. And even in my own career, I've done the same thing where I've done, you know, various roles. But the advice I would give is if you want to do something different to what you're doing at the moment, it's easier to do it from within a corporation or, or a company. So you could be someone who's an animator at a studio, you prove yourself there, you prove your time there, and you can say, can I actually try doing designs? Can I try doing storyboarding? That gives you a better chance than it is to do it without them knowing who you are. Like if, if, if there are two people coming to approach on a production, we need more storyboard artists. We know that, for example, I don't know, uh, Mr. X is working for us. He's been a great animator. He can draw as well. He understands our process. He wants to try, he wants to try doing storyboards. Fine, we'll give this person a shot as opposed to like Mr. Z who's coming from you know, off the street. We don't know who they are. Yeah. They've never done boarding before. So who will we take a chance on? Obviously the person that we've worked with. So if you do want to do something, but it's not in front of you at the moment, maybe be a little patient and kind of build some seeds or plant some seeds and yeah. you'll be able to do that eventually. Bader, when you said yourself to be a modeler, I thought um, I thought you were going down a catwalk route. I, I thought that you, <laughs> your career had taken a very different turn, but I misunderstood. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> my modeling days are behind me. <laughs> Um, I think that with that, I think I've, I know a few people who have kind of like done it in the sense of when you've been in the studio and wanted to move more of a sideways direction, you can actually use the resources of the resources of the studio. For example, if you want to get into storyboarding, you could get a, a real script and then try kind of storyboarding and get feedback from one of the storyboard artists. So you can kind of do it a mixture and a mixture of using the studio's resources with trying to do a bit of stuff in your own time and getting the the. Uh, the the advice of all the kind of the uh, experienced artists to try and push in that direction, which is something that is hard to do outside of a studio. I think it's a nice lesson to learn from Ruth Ducker that your first job might not be your dream job, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, definitely. I think there's sometimes a little bit of uh, a rush to get to that dream job and get there straight away, but every career every career is quite a uh, a winding road which you don't know which quite way it's going to go and that's what kind of makes it fun so I think it's it's you know it, you always got to remember that just uh, keep going and see where it ends up you don't necessarily have to have the exact um, destination in mind every day no. and well, the destination we... changes a lot as well. totally yeah oh yeah cool. shall I play the next clip yeah let's do it do you have any advice about confidence in the workplace? Because you say about just ask, I feel like that takes a lot of confidence. Absolutely, and uh, and I think I've, I've probably forgotten 
how difficult it was for me to ask when I was early on in my career. And I definitely, confidence has been an ongoing issue for me. And even now I have crises of confidence. At the moment, even though I have a lot of experience, then I've taken very senior roles. So just saying, yes, ask someone, is very, it seems a little glib. But, but actually, you, you do have to overcome your fear. You do have to grab confidence it is difficult it's not easy some people find it easier than others I think it's actually quite it's more frequent that women will struggle with confidence than the men but that doesn't mean that men won't uh, but it is a it is something that you have to grasp if you want to move into certain areas you have to overcome your fear and, and I don't have any easy solutions for that maybe a solution would be to just stand and look at yourself in the mirror and say I am the greatest I don't know <laughs> it, it is it is a difficult question it's probably it is a burning question especially for creatives as well because they quite often are are less confident and, and I think I actually just read recently that there's a report come out that uh, the huge percentage of people within this industry suffer from mental health issues so again it's uh, there are a lot of fragile people and confidence is is a difficult thing to master but it is quite important to try and master it uh, confidence is vital right yeah I remember when that report the, the one she talks about, I remember when that came out. Um, and yeah, it was shocking, but kind of not surprising. Mm. Yeah. Not the um, one about the mental illness. Yeah. And we talked yeah. a lot about it um, on QVFX. If there's any LGBTQ listeners out there, um, just quickly shout out QVFX for a nice community um, for you. Worth looking up. Yes, I, I, I I think that there's this pressure to be confident that makes it sometimes tricky when you're like in a position of like leadership. And I don't know, like, I think everyone has their own tricks. You know, for me, I find actually being allowing myself to be vulnerable with my team and not really try to portray mm -hmm. that I am this super perfect, confident superhero. Like I can just be myself. I think that kind of, first of all, allows them to feel less worried and nervous when they are discussing things. And I can actually ask questions. So I don't have to pretend to be aware of everything or know everything. I, I give people the chance to teach me how to do things and show me the ropes. Yeah. My skill is in helping people uh, to achieve the best, you know, out of what they're working on and to help them make it better and to, to, to push them but I can't do that by creating this barrier between me and them. And sometimes yeah. I think forcing yourself to, to be this competent person doesn't help. Um, but I know some people that just ooze confidence, but who knows, you know, I've been told many times that, Oh, you come across as very confident. Well, that's, it's not always what you see is not always what's actually going on inside. Yeah. It's an outward projection, isn't it? Yeah. It's not necessarily super internal. Yeah. I think there are different different types of confidence as well, aren't they? Because I think if you're, for example, if you're a director, you've got to have a confident take on the on the direction of, of changes to make. But it doesn't necessarily mean you might have a confident personality or or confident in other ways. Yes. Uh, so I think you there's there's when when people say you need to be confident, if you're it doesn't you might you know hate speaking in front of crowds, but you might have confident ideas of the way you want uh, animation to look. And I think 
that's more important for the, the creative roles than the being more than the extrovert confidence style of thing. Yeah. And I think, um, I think what, sorry, go ahead. I was just, uh, something that um, really stuck in my head that uh, Izzy Burton actually said uh, during one of her talks at um, a Playgrounds Festival in the Netherlands, um, her kind of final like word of advice wasn't um, don't be confident, be brave. Because I think yeah, that when right. you're talking about confidence, especially with, with graduates or people who are entry level or you know, early on in their careers, it's, it's kind of more about bravery and faking it till you make it. And then eventually your confidence comes from your experience and how much you know about the subjects yeah. you're talking about. You know, we're unconfident when we're in areas that we don't know what to expect or we're unsure. And in those situations, it's not about acting like, you know, everything. It's about having the kind of bravery to try um yeah so i think that that's an interesting difference as well which is i guess just always just nudging yourself out your comfort zone a little bit so you're constantly being brave by just not staying within what you know otherwise yeah. as an artist you can't really develop if you don't push yourself in totally. some different ways yeah i was just going to say one thing that i think it's okay to, to 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 be vulnerable and not not perfect you know we're all artists and we're very creative people we think differently um, so don't worry, like when you're amongst artists, you're not amongst, you know, people who don't really get it. We tend to forget that. I think, you know, uh, just, you know, it, I can just look back at when I was like in, you know, middle school and I was maybe like one of the only artists in my class that was very you know, like alienating for me. Whereas I think now, even when I'm in a studio, I, I take that for granted. Everyone there is an artist to some, to yeah. some degree. So, you know, be yourself, just, you know, like 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 you said i think be brave that's a good one yeah and no one's good at everything right yeah. and so so you know imposter syndrome is kind of almost part of that you you know you yeah. can't you can't be good at everything and if you think if you think someone's uh absolutely flawless and amazing at everything you just don't you don't know them uh no, is no. it yeah <laughs> you spent enough time with them imposter syndrome gets even worse the higher up you get it's like you you're like why why am i even allowed to make these choices and these decisions like, but you know you know it, the the years build up and you, you tend to forget the achievements that you've made and i think yeah you know be grateful for the journey that you're on because you know it, i know that everyone wants to reach the end but you 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 the end won't matter much if you haven't built up what that end actually meant you know all the years that it took to build it yeah i've got to say i think um one piece of advice that was really helpful to me um, that somebody from Blue Zoo actually gave me. Whenever I have a crisis of confidence, um, it was uh, Chloe Deneuve from uh, Blue Zoo told me to keep a little career diary. Um, and I've kind of done that in the form of a, an email folder of uh, every, any email that sort of made me smile. It was a lovely piece of praise or feedback that was um, made me feel really good about myself. I'd just drop it in that folder and it's so easy to just click at that, have a little look at it. And that's something that you can do to just get that that quick hit of um, reminding yourself you are good at your job. You're there for a reason. Yeah, that's a good idea. You said in the talk about how you came to animation direction uh, sort of by accident, but you worked very hard to get to where you were. And I really want uh, 
I really want to ask you some uh, advice about if you are interested in directing um, in the future, what would you advise a person um, to consider, especially if they're early in their career or starting in their career? Okay, the, the first thing to consider if you're starting in your career is that direction is is probably not what you expect it to be. And, and that's a big thing. I think a lot of people have a notion of what it is to be a director. One of the questions in the session, someone was saying, oh yes, I imagine a director to be someone with a, a beret who sits on a chair with a name and has a megaphone. Well, that that's not really the case. Um, and you get... And how you are being a director is very different again from film to, to TV to kids television to uh, like online work as well so, so it really it's such a broad thing to have a notion of uh, you have to remember that that you have to then think about what kind of director do I want to be so that's one element uh, another important thing when you're early on in your career is to uh, recognize that being a director actually is is not necessarily an easy role and it's not necessarily for everyone uh, and I think if you once you dispel the fantasy of what it is to be a director then it becomes easier to to, to think of it something that you want to pursue if you do want to be a director then I would say Watch other directors. Try and get as uh, try and have interaction with directors. Listen, there are podcasts. There's there are YouTube uh, films. Watch directors talking about their process, about what it is to them. Go to talks. Go to go to classes. Go to masterclasses. Try and definitely learn about other people's experiences of being a director. Uh, watch films. Watch television. So it's not only about listening to how people are a director but it's also about watching the work that they do to understand different people's direction approach because directing is not only about telling stories and, and what you see on the screen it's also about managing the team of people that you have that help to make that so the advice that I would give is to do that uh, you might be very focused you might be an animator and that is your your thing that you love to do and you can be singular and pursue that career and then become a director or that you can take the path that I took which was doing a little bit of everything until you realize that well, until you come to the position of being a director and then suddenly all these these skills feed into that that job, that role. It's a personal journey and you have to work that out for yourself. But when I said it's a journey, it is a journey. It's not something that you can walk into straight out of college. I'd say the best directors are the ones who go on a journey. And because it is an evolution and it is a process and it is a process of learning. Uh, the good thing to do actually, because there are lots of directors, actually quite a few at uh, Blue Zoo who are good. You can ask them where, if you work with a director, you can ask them where they started and, and what their journey was. And you could and that will help again with your understanding of what it is to be a director. But it's, it's not necessarily easy and it's not necessarily what you think it is some uh yeah insightful uh information there because i think that one i guess the starting point from that is make sure direction is what you understand it to be so if you're if you're spending kind of like loads of years or however long it takes to become a director 
make sure you uh, that is actually what you want to do because it might not be you might think oh directing I want to be a director because I don't want to I want to do what I want to do and not take instruction from other people but that's not mm. what directing is I mean Bader you've got experience uh, of that right 100% agree with everything that she said I mean if you're in it just for the prestige of what that means trust me it's not for you because being a director or, you know, I mean, like different companies have different names and that even means different things on different productions. So for example, where I am at the moment, uh, it's not really called director, but it's a similar role. I'm still sort of having to lead the team in terms of animation um, and making sure that they give a really solid uh, performance, but I'm not making the call on what the performance is. I'm being given a brief about what the performance is and I should try and match it. Or I should try to, if I, if, if I wanted to change it, there are discussions you can have and you can, you can try and propose ideas. But then when I was at Blue Zoo, I had more sort of creative control over how we can push certain things. And, and then when I was at Brown Bag, it was also different. It changes from company to company, from project to project, from client to client. But if you think you're just going to be sitting on a chair, like, like she said, you know, with a beret and kind of like just ordering people around and, you know, that's not what it is. You will be doing, you know, I'm not trying to put people off of it, but it's, 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 it's a lot more about your people skills, your ability to uh, manage crises and situations, how to feedback on notes correctly, you know, you need to be able to at least realize why something is not working and give some give some suggestions you can't just say that you know the shot feels floaty you have to say why it feels floaty and how you can fix it and you need to be constructive because you can't also put your team down um so it's a people skill thing it's a management thing it's creative and the more experience you have even outside of animation you bring that in that really helps so i think that knowing what it's all about really is an important thing. A lot of animators prefer to stay in animation. I know people that don't want to go beyond lead. They are saying, no, I'd rather stay lead. doesn't seem like it's for me because they can see what it is. They see exactly what it does. Some people can't wait to break out of lead and say, oh, I can't wait to just become, you know, for me, I love this. I don't matter. I would love to keep even exploring it further and further and going more into other territories of, of the industry. So yeah, research it well, research what, what that means in different parts of the industry and see if that feels like it's the right thing for you. So on that, on that note, what type of person, type of person do you think makes a good director or who, what type of person do you think might want to be a director then actually realize they're actually best like doing more of the, uh, one of the other roles kind of, whether it's being more of a lead or, or what advice can you give in terms of helping people to understand what the difference is? Well, I think, if I can kind of give it as an example outside of animation, let's say you like the title of doctor or surgeon. You like how that sounds. You would love to be able to go into a, you know, a party and say, oh yes, doctor, blah, blah. Well, that's going to be 10% of your time. 90% of your time, you're probably going to be in a very stressful situation with people's lives in, literally in your hands, having to make very tough decisions, having to get into probably some you know, gruesome situations that most of the public would not want to even have to think about. That's what a surgeon would be doing. It's the same for a director. If all you want is the credit and the title and how to put that into your CV, that probably is not what it is for you. But if you enjoy um, 
dealing with pressure in terms of you know having to think on your feet thinking outside the box you don't mind not having to be doing the one creating the artwork like some people have a difficulty letting go of that if you're okay to let go of that and have people do the fun part so to speak and for you to almost have pleasure by seeing them perform well if that gives you pleasure seeing others do well based on notes you have given um, if you enjoy speaking with clients or you know some people who are outside of the studio that don't let that, that are not necessarily in your safety zone because usually within a studio you're in a safety zone you can say whatever you want but if you like that feeling of speaking to outside people and engaging them you know it seems like you, this seems like it would be the right thing for you and if you want to get into it and that's not really who you are it doesn't mean that you can't do that it just means that you need to adapt you know there are people who i've recommended to become animation directors who did not necessarily fit that when you first think about who they are but they did bring to the table other aspects they were just really good with people or really good with giving feedback maybe not so much with the client side but that's fine someone else can do that client side and you know they would enjoy sitting there and brainstorming and coming up with that see this is where you can start to see yourself branching off into different parts of it and um, this is where the team balance starts to make sense and it's different on every project. Well, it's like what Ruth said, where no directing role is the same. It completely changes in every production, every studio. Yeah. Every. So it's that exact thing. It's like, you know, figure out what your strengths are. Ultimately, you still need to find a strategy and a way to communicate. But whatever that communication is, as long as there's a strength to it, then, then that's what you need and you can build off of that and there's a niche to fill. Well, I, yeah. and, and Ruth's talking about even being a series director, which is even like another step removed from what I do, which is what, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm very good friends with Matt T from Blue Zoo and, and we kind of like climbed up together at Blue Zoo. Um, and uh, last I left, he was a series director. And, you know, Still I never would have imagined, <laughs> I never would have imagined to see Matt become a series director because of what I remembered he enjoyed. But it turned out over time, he enjoyed sitting and reading scripts. I couldn't stand to sit and read scripts all day. Like I really couldn't. I preferred the storyboarding side of things, but to looking at the scripts and all that, like it, it, it was difficult for me. But well, I Matt, guess that's... Yeah, but Matt yeah. embraced that. And over time, it sort of felt natural and he just kind of went in that direction. And, you know, which kind of brings me to a point of saying it's okay to not like certain things, but still perform well in your role. You know, we, we, we were a team. So where I was not able to feedback as much on scripts, I was able to double that when it came to the storyboarding and the composition of the shots. And it was like, it felt right for us. Yeah. And I think also that like, for example, with like Matt, you're, if, if you're like animating uh, as a, a junior senior lead, for, for over 10 years, you're going to want a bit of a change and step up into other roles, most, most likely. So I think you've got to remember everyone, everyone changes where they want to go over a career. It's, it's, very like, it's very unlikely that what you wanted to do 10 years ago is the exact same role you want to do now. Uh, so I think it's, you know, just go with it. And Katie, what was your experience? Because obviously you directed a, a short film. What was your experience of directing for the, the first time in terms of compared to the normal uh, roles of in not leading a team that you would have to as director? Okay, um, I mean, uh, 
what Reese said about being under pressure. There's definitely a kind of pressure, especially with what you were saying, Beda, not only to kind of critique people and, and give feedback, but also to kind of make sure that everyone is kind of on board with and understands the kind of the vision and the direction that it's going. Because that's what you do as the director is you're communicating the direction and trying to keep it on track across everybody. Yeah. But it's also, you know, knowing when to really listen to people who can feed back on that and, and help you with that, you know? So for me, I was a first time director and yeah, quite luckily really. <laughs> um, so I was really open to all of that feedback but then also had to kind of say it won't work this time because there's not the time for it and things like that. So it's definitely a really big kind of communication thing. And you felt the pressure when you were making those decisions. There's no one above you to tell you that's the wrong decision. Yeah. So for, for better or for worse, you have to kind of understand that you're the one making those decisions and you've just got to go with your gut really. And sometimes those decisions aren't nice when you have to unuse someone's work when they've taken a long time to make it and something yeah, just didn't yeah, work out. Yeah. And you have to tell someone, sorry, that that thing you spent a week making, I've decided not to use it, which yeah. can be horrible. Or, you know, the shot, it's working really nicely, but it doesn't work with the shot surrounding it and it's not yeah. along, it's not along the right thread. So you're going to have to make some changes to it. And it's like, well, I've already done it and it's like, I know, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's the, that's the decision. Um, but yeah, the pressure element, but you know, I say all of that, it, it was stressful, it was time consuming. I loved it. It was really fun. So, you know, it's not, <laughs> we're making it sound really yeah. <laughs> quite dark, but you know, there is that it is really satisfying working and being such a big part of the process across the board, I think is the yeah. most exciting element. But I guess that's why directors take a long time to get up to that. So you can get acclimatized to the pressures of leading a team and making those decisions. And and because, you know, a director is about leadership and and yeah. being able to make those calls under pressure. And that's not something that you you instantly have straight out of university. And it takes a long time to to know the best ways to communicate uh, and direct a whole, a whole team. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Cool. Should we listen to the uh, final question? So what advice would you give somebody uh, less director focused who is early on in their career and wants to get into animation or perhaps be a layout artist? Who wants to be an artist is what I'm asking. I would say if you can, if, if you're, well apply for jobs, apply for entry level jobs. There are a lot of entry level jobs. There are also a, a lot of, um, I don't know if internships, there's some companies will do internships so again you can get some work experience. I would also say if if you can't find a job or a role, you go for a runner's role because, again, you will get a foot in the door. You will meet people. You will be able to talk to people, and you will learn. You will learn about uh, being creative. You will learn about different roles within film, within television, and most importantly, you will, as I said, you will meet people and who may then be able to help you and support you. So, just just any job, just foot in the door job is just as valuable as an uh, 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 early entry animator, really. So take that first job to get your foot in the door, then then work hard, do a good job, 
and then you will find that doors will start to open. But the, an important point, work hard, do a good job, don't have an attitude. <laughs> That's quite key. Because if you're in an environment and you're a bit bolshy or a bit know-it-all with your seniors, then they're not going to wrestle the next role. So be recognise that you are at the beginning of your career and that you have a huge amount to learn, but then look around you and see what you can learn because people will teach you if you're open to that. Thank you very much. That's okay. <laughs> uh, some... Uh evergreen classic advice there of work hard do a good job and don't have an attitude i don't think you can go far wrong with that what do you think yeah perfect um so yeah i think it's very in line with what we were saying last time as well isn't it yeah uh yeah i mean it's i guess it's quite um straightforward advice but it's 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 so so important um to to um to get in there and i think equally the sense of just trying to uh get into a studio get your foot in the door and just meet people and you can meet people in studios or outside of studios and it's something we often say is the kind of like the, the networking is almost as important as your skills because people aren't gonna find you you've got to go out there and and find other people and increase your chances of of getting that connection that gets you gets you a job or or makes you aware of a job that's opening um, it's life's a series of chances and you've got to try and make more chances as you can get. I think one thing to say, if you're in a situation like we are at the moment, I don't know what's going to happen in six months if you're listening to this, but currently we are still in lockdown and I think most of the world is. So if you, obviously some of these points are kind of impossible to do right now, you can't really go out and network in the same way. Um, but I did notice a lot of people started adding me on LinkedIn. I think that's a really good step. Um, and what the reason for that is not so that, you know, it's not like me myself will be able to give you a job, but I do know that a lot of people tend to just go on their own LinkedIn and say, or they'll forward something that they liked, or, uh, there'll be like some internal thing and they'll like forward it on their own LinkedIn. Uh, you'll be able to hear more. You'll see at least things that they like. Um, you'll just feel a bit more involved, I think. It's not necessarily that it can help you actually get a job directly, but it's at least one step closer. So uh, don't just add recruiters on LinkedIn. Try to go for some artists, senior artists as well. Uh, be let, them, let them be familiar with your name, to, at least to some degree. And use this time to sharpen your skills. You know, if you're stuck at home, uh, don't just sit there on Netflix, sharpen your skills. Do, do something that when you walk out of this, at least you can used to add to your portfolio yeah yeah definitely i mean i don't know um i had a lot of kind of i relate very hard to that uh because when i was a graduate um even though it wasn't lockdown um i didn't have any money to go to annecy or travel to manchester animation festival or go to all these places or even go to london really for meetups that was kind of still like way outside of my zone of like accessibility um and what really helped me was anim dojo was the you know this the biggest element of i want someone at blue zoo to know who i was like that was the core goal i thought that was <laughs> that was way worth spending 15 pounds a month doing it, it um, <laughs> and it and it worked you know it was like as much as it was about animating it was also about you know 
in the kind of like friendliest non-stalkery way it was about making sure that I at least like said one comment every stream and that I was present on the stream so that my name was around there and that if there was a challenge I took part or if someone posted a critique I would at least kind of comment on one or two with a bit of information or at least like it or something um and it's just that kind of thing that you were mentioning Vader about people having an awareness of your name um and just who you are and then eventually we'd never met before but I went did all of the streams and then when I met you for the first time in London after telling work that I was off sick and uh <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my part-time retail job I just randomly hopped on a train and went to London uh, and stayed at my friends on a sofa and when I met for you for the first time you were super familiar with me and friendly because even though we'd never met in person and you probably didn't even know my face just the association of like seeing my name all the time it was so easy to chat just making sure that you stay on it you know keep trying yeah I think there's uh, actually in in uh, psychology or something when there's a thing that if you see someone's name kind of seven times in different places, you'll feel like you have a more kind of personal connection to them, and your your brain will just get that that bond. Uh, obviously, that needs to be in a good sense. If you see it up on a what name the name on the wanted poster or something, it's probably not going to be quite the same. But <laughs> yeah. um, but it's the same thing. Just trying to spread your your name. So so next time they see it, they go, oh, I I think I know that person. Let me take a second look, kind of thing. And yeah. that's how a lot of people get jobs. One hundred. I feel like I know that with that look. And sorry, Grace. <laughs> sorry, Katie. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just saying, like, I feel like I know that with applicants, obviously, like as a recruiter, I'm always looking through applications and it's not necessarily like there's loads of passport photos to go alongside those names. But I see those names like time, time again through like LinkedIn, or maybe I'll see that they've like posted a short film or, you know, their Vimeo or their art station comes up or something whilst I'm looking. And it feels like I know them, even though I've never spoken to them yeah. just because i've seen their name so many and, times and you know they're keen because they've they've been around <laughs> trying to yeah. trying to make themselves known yeah totally and from a social media point of view um i see the same people saying lovely things and being lovely on the anim dojo socials i just want to shout you guys out because it's uh it's a joy running those socials because they're very positive they're never i so rarely see anything that's like not unkind or it's always like bolstering other people giving nice feedback so yeah shout out to you guys <laughs> oh um yeah no thanks all i mean anna dojo is all about that community and helping each other so and that's what we love to see so it's great that you know people are doing that because anna dojo wouldn't be anna dojo without uh people like that who are helping each other like katie did when when you did anna dojo couple of years ago and yeah and got got a job for it so um i think that's a nice point to to wrap it up uh just say thanks to um uh to ruth for speaking to grace and thanks to grace katie and Bader for taking the time to record this podcast um and of course yeah go to animdojo.com if you want to check it out and get on board and join the good community and hopefully we can help you get that job that you're you're after um, and equally, if you want to listen to more podcasts, then do, um, if you stumbled across this one somehow, then do subscribe to all the others on all the normal podcasty places. Cool. Okay. Thanks, everyone. And cheers for listening. And uh, till the next episode. Bye bye. Bye.
Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.